0: The Common Day versus The Machine. My name is Kyle.
1: And, yeah,
0: apparently I missed the point.
2: And I'm the machine.
0: I thought you said that your name was Dorothy Parker when we started this. <laughs> Alright, this is a podcast where a sentient machine is forcing us each season to watch movies from a specific year in order to prevent it from starting the apocalypse. That year just so happens to be the year 2018. The machine still threatens our lives if we don't review the films it asks us to, although we do tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. And today, we're going to be watching the film... Can you ever forgive me? No. Just these, I don't want the others.
2: Come on, man, I slept these all the way here. There's
1: people
0: waiting.
2: You know, you don't have to be so disrespectful. You've actually carried my books here.
1: And you are?
2: Lee Israel.
1: Oh, we have copies of your latest work right over there.
2: Nobody is going to pay for the writer Lee Israel right now. I'm months behind in my rent, and my cat is sick. It's four in the afternoon, and you're drunk. I'm hardly drunk. crazy up. My suggestion to you is you go out there, and you find another way to make a living. Recently found this delightful sign letter. Fanny Bryce, one of my favorites.
0: I could give you... The- By the way, I just want to bring this up. I don't know if you've ever heard this. There's this like urban legend thing... Maybe urban legend" is the wrong word, but you know how like there's this thing in theatrical circles where you're not supposed to say the name Macbeth in a theater? Like it's like bad oh, it, it gives you okay. bad luck, you know, that sort of thing. Sure. Superstition. There's this thing. I yeah, superstition, that's what it is. You know that there's a superstition that you should never put a question mark at the end of a movie title? Oh. I I guess that is rare. Apparently, any time that you put the punctuation, it underperforms at the box office like this movie did. And if you go back to like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, no question mark. Mm. If you go back to other things that were hits that are questions, they don't have question marks. It's this weird thing.
1: There's like a social psychology behind that. You know, honestly, I'm just looking at the title right now and it makes me intuitively ask the question, do I want to watch this?
0: True enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah do i want to see a rabbit be framed i don't think i do (laughs) this is two weeks in a row i've talked about who framed roger rabbit i just realized Mm. anyways a big thank you to our patrons over on patreon their contributions help us continue this show since you know the machine doesn't help us pay for these movies plus each month we do a bonus episode over there you can go listen to wild style our conversation about early hip-hop dance graffiti
1: we don't actually talk about that do we?
0: we don't (laughs) Dave. Uh, before we get into talking about this week's film here, though, one of the main reasons, maybe the mainest reason that people listen to this podcast is our deep restriction that we build upon each every week. Did you see this package that came uh, addressed to us here? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna push it here across the table. It's like in a brown paper, yeah, twine, yeah. twine, it's twined up there. Look at this. It's just a. It's a bunch of letters. A bunch of admirers have sent us the letters. Actual physical mail. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that is the demographic we're appealing to likely, (laughs) at this point.
0: I cannot wait to jump into some of these and see exactly what they say. But we don't have time. We have this movie we have to talk about here.
1: So, uh, fuck the fans.
0: (laughs) Push these into the fireplace, and we're good.
2: I'd rather push you two into the fire.
0: I think we should actually delve into a little bit of our history with some of the people involved with this movie. So, first and foremost, this stars Melissa McCarthy... What's your history with Melissa McCarthy? Uh,
1: Yeah, she's funny. I don't know. Where is she now?
0: Is she. Like, f- like you're seeing like 2023?
1: Yeah. Ha- has she made something recently? No,
0: no. She is going to be Ursula in the new uh, uh, Little Mermaid movie. Yeah.
1: No, but I. That but... looks
0: awful, but I mean, it's still. She's going to be. Not...
1: Yeah, not gross for her, just gross yeah. for the concept of live adaptations of sure. amazing. Well, I didn't even really like Little Mermaid. She's doing
0: that. that much, but... She must be doing. Something, something else with her husband, like her husband's a director, so
1: yeah. So when she broke out, I can't remember if *Bridesmaids* is her breakout, but I certainly think it is. what I think gets, that gets her it noticed. Yeah, she
0: would do guest spots here and there for like Judd Apatow and some other directors, yeah, but *Bridesmaids* is really her breakout moment, so and she for, not nominated for an Oscar for that role. Oh, which I, I know think that actually.
1: Fun. Yeah, from that point until I don't know if it was spy. There's some. There's a spot where it was basically like if I saw her. Uh, involved in a project. I was at least interested to watch it. Sure. It didn't mean I watched all of them. Uh, I even at the time was uh, pretty, not uh, a fan of Sandra Bullock, but I did watch mm. the heat and that movie is quite hilarious.
0: I think she's America's sweetheart, but <laughs> whatever. And then,
1: you know, she unfortunately went through a lot of that stupid, uh, body shaming controversy. Um, she can do dramatic turns. So I, mm-hmm. I respect her. I just, yeah, I can't, Think of what she's done in the last five years. So maybe things have been slipping by. Like I've never heard of this movie, I know that's offensive to you.
0: it's not offensive to me. I mean, it didn't it didn't like overperform or anything like that, but it's not I also would not say that this is some like super indie film that no one has ever heard of.
1: Yeah. Well, I turned it on and Helen even knew what it was about. So oh. it was just out of my sphere, right? Which mm-hmm. is just to the point of like what is my relationship with Melissa McCarthy? Apparently I don't have one because I didn't know that she was in this film. That she's Oscar nominated and Helen's like in, into, so I don't know. There but you at go. least uh, knew about. Ooh, yeah.
0: I'm just looking at this. I have no name recognition for any of these movies <laughs> that she's apparently been in yeah. since 2018. The Kitchen, Superintelligence, Nothing, The Starling, Nothing. I have no idea what any of these fucking right. Things are.
1: <laughs> There's a downturn. There's been yeah, a yeah. downturn.
0: Yeah. Apparently, she was in the last Thor movie. Oh, she was. Oh, the she was one of the actor. actors. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But like, I yeah, so was coming... Oh my god. Okay, so she's in the Little Mermaid, and she's. There seems to be this new trend in Hollywood. She's in Unfrosted, the Pop Tart story. That nice is, but... Voice actor, maybe. Uh, I think that is a live action film. Mm. Dave, speaking of which, I did just watched Mary. directed by Jerry Seinfeld.
1: Wow. What did he make B movie or did he star in it?
0: He just starred in it.
1: That's actually the movie's fine. Can I just put this out there? I watched Mario, right? For my kid. Oh, you did
0: see it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Chris up, Pratt. Uh, thumbs up or thumbs down?
1: It was fine, right? Like as a family yeah. film. You would hate it because it's uh, DreamWorks Despicable Me, guys. So <sighs> there's I, no yeah, way really you like really don't it.
0: like their animation style. It, I really don't. But.
1: but I will say, I think Chris Pratt took way too much heat for this fucking movie. I'm sure movie. he
0: did. I mean, I'm... It,
1: it's not important over... at all. I even read a review like a week ago and they were like, well, Chris Pratt is too Chris pratt you're like, it's a fucking cartoon. Like,
0: what? okay, we don't have to talk about Chris Pratt. So weird. Um, but that's where uh, she is. I, uh, I also, I think Bridesmaids was her breakout role for me too.
1: Yeah, amazing. If you shouldn't sink, you're doing something right.
0: So funny. It's, uh, it's actually the way that she puts her leg up on the chair to be like alluring. <laughs> that I think is so funny to me. Uh, she does this guest spot in This Is Forty. That's in, that's like one of the late mm, Judd Apatow yeah. movies with uh, Paul Rudd and, and um, uh, Leslie Apatow's wife, yeah. uh, and some... Leslie Mann. Leslie man
1: classic Judd Apatow when it's funny you laugh and the rest of the two and a half hours you're wondering why am I still watching this fucking
0: he's the only person who knows how to make a tight 90 minutes into two hours (laughs) anyways there's this outtake scene that's on YouTube from that movie it's so fucking funny because they just had Melissa McCarthy just improv the most ridiculous things to say in like this parent teacher Mm. conference just riffing Riffing, but everyone in the scene just not being able to hold it together, and she is like totally in character, just like being angry. And it's like, no, Paul yeah. Rudd is just like trying so desperate to not like break character, and she's just like in his face. It's great. It's so funny.
2: I'm going to start drinking. I'm going to slit someone open like a fish and drink their blood. That's what I'm going to drink.
0: So, anyways, Melissa McCarthy, I am pro Melissa McCarthy. Is okay. basically what I'm saying.
1: At least up to 2018, apparently.
0: Um, <laughs> how about Richard E. Grant? What do you know about Richard E. Grant?
1: So I know his face. Why mm-hmm. why do I know him? He's been around
0: since the 80s. Like yeah, he's yeah, been yeah. around for such a long time. Have we yeah.
1: seen him in something we've reviewed?
0: Maybe. I don't know what his other like most famous thing would be, though. Like he was in uh, Loki, like that's where some people yes, know him from. That's right. Yeah. Uh Gosford Park. Oh, the yeah. the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Terrible.
1: Wait, no, the first one? The first one is pretty good. No, the wife spider guy. That's terrible. No, I couldn't you, finish You were thinking about
0: him and his wife. Um, no, so nothing. Oh, unless he's in something in '99. Let me just see. No, nothing that we have talked about. So just, <laughs> just in the, uh, in the
1: in the DS, Deus, not Diaspora, just in the ether. He
0: does have a very recognizable face. Yes. Anyways, yeah, Richard E. Grant, good, good. actor. Good for him.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're doing great. This is a great episode. I, I think we're yeah. really we're doing we're really on a roll here.
0: How about Marielle Heller, the director of this movie? I don't know. The only other movie I've seen that she has directed is the biopic on Mr. Rogers that stars Tom Hanks.
1: Oh, I haven't seen it. Um, It's it's okay.
0: I will say that. It, it's solid. It's late stage Tom Hanks who is very hit or miss for me, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I think he was maybe a bit miscast as Fred Rogers, in my opinion, even though you would think, it would oh, look- everyone loves him. Why don't we get the actor that everybody loves? But I just felt a little bit off um it actually has very little to do with mr rogers it's actually about the. it's more about the the reporter who's reporting on mr rogers than oh. it is about mr rogers that movie Yeah, Anyways, i had no interest in seeing it it's fine I don't know why. it's yeah. perfectly fine serviceable the documentary on mr rogers made me ball my eyes out. <laughs> that's what you should watch he's so nice
1: yeah it's like owen wilson's bob ross movie i mean i have no interest in turning yeah, that on it's like, like i don't know gives a shit
0: her next movie is night bitch Starring Amy Adams. I'm hoping, fingers crossed, oh, that comeback. this is Amy Adams comeback. <laughs> it's based on a book that was very highly reviewed. Like people love that. What book. isn't? What isn't? Oh, why they have our prob-
1: No, the problem isn't the problem isn't the source material of an adaptation. It's right. the adaptation. That's the problem.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah, know. I get that. Fingers crossed that there'll be Amy Adams comeback, and I'm probably going to be I'm working myself up to be crushed. And be like, oh no, <laughs> oh no. <laughs>
1: She never got her Oscar either, right?
0: She's been nominated like seven times or something like that. Yeah, she never won. Probably should have won for Arrival, in my opinion, but uh, did not. Who? Wait, who won that year? I don't know, Dave. You're asking me who won in 2017. I don't remember who won in 2017. Hold on, I'm
1: just going to give it like a couple seconds because I know it's going to pop into your
0: head. No. Meryl Streep.
1: <laughs> Actually, if there's a safe bet, yeah, that's probably Meryl Streep.
0: <laughs> so you have no history with this movie, nope. correct? No. Nope. Okay, this is where I'm going to tell my little story about how I kind of knew about this movie before this movie came out. Okay, I used to work at a bookstore for three years, from the years 2005 to early 2008, and so there I remember vividly in one of my final few months there, there was a notice that came down in our emails like, urgent, please remove all these copies of the biography of Noel Coward off of your shelves.
1: Ah, because it included, and it was
0: because yes. two of the letters that are forged by Lee Israel had been discovered, showed up in this book. So the publisher pulled the book off the shelf so they could reprint it without those letters actually showing up.
1: Do you think it would change the context of the book? Would it have that much impact? That it might I have, like, think,
0: yeah. I don't think so. so wait, wait, we'll get wait, into that though. Wait. We'll get into that conversation okay. in a bit. I think. Then I, I will say, just to be perfectly upfront, I have actually read this book as well uh, her but book? this movie is based on okay. so the lee yeah. israel book you could read it in a couple hours it is so thin like it is not a very yeah. long book i'm not surprised by that
1: that's how i felt watching this movie
0: and i will say as a book It's completely forgettable. I I (laughs) could (laughs) not. It did not hold my interest actually all that much. Like the actual like setup is interesting and how she went about doing Mm -hmm. the forgeries. I found compelling. It's like watching a heist movie. But I wasn't actually the biggest fan of her writing style, if I'm being totally honest. But then when this movie is announced, I was like, wait a second. This is like ringing bells. I think I know this story. And Mm -hmm. I started putting two and two together. And the only reason I really know about this movie is because it gets two acting nominations at the Oscars this year. So, although I did not watch this movie until 2021, I think is when I looked it up. So mm. it was only a couple of years ago when I actually watched it for the first time.
1: I waited till
2: 2023. That's great. I made you a medal so you can feel special.
0: Now that being said, because I have seen the movie before, so it isn't a surprise to anyone, I really like this movie a lot. I yeah. think it actually has some really fascinating things that it discusses and brings up as themes. It's just a fun movie to watch for me, but Dave, I know disagrees. We'll get into it as to why. Uh, But we're gonna take a little bit of a break here first, Dave, and then you can come back and you'll yell at me and make me cry, (laughs) and uh, I'll dab my tears with these letters in front of me. I
1: have like, how do I describe the pained expression on my face on audio?
0: (laughs) (laughs) See, this is that is the weird part of me. I, I understand being unenthusiastic about this movie i don't see being like violently no i don't i don't hate it that's the emotion i don't really understand no
1: nobody said i hated it i just think it's fucking Ah. boring all
0: right well we'll get into that let's take a break dave and then when we come back yes we'll be talking a little bit more about can you ever forgive me what have you tried to forge have you ever forged someone's signature before
1: maybe actually probably have done my parents I don't think anything outside of school or my family. Like, I haven't have I? No, no. I, I yeah, mean, I would you have did
0: forged gone. that uh, that doctorate from from Harvard, but other than that,
1: yeah, yeah, that's the one you picked. I would have gone with yeah, Phoenix University. What's the
0: <laughs> Arizona University? The Arizona actually, uni- is. yeah, DeVry. I actually forged this <laughs> <laughs> this degree from DeVry. Oh man. Um. Anyways, so we are in our section here. Uh, we don't have sponsors anymore because we, Dave, We're are it. an independent yeah. production. We
1: don't need that. We don't need their money. We need your money. Yeah. That's
0: right. So, if you would like to help support us, we obviously have our Patreon page. You can go and help us su- uh, help support us over there. But also, we are in the business of celebrating you, the listener. Meaning, do you have like a podcast yourself, a book you're writing, a movie, a short film or something that you've created, anything that you've actually created with your own two hands? Why don't? You buy ad space on our very podcast to talk to other people who are listening to this very podcast.
1: Mm, meta.
0: You can reach out to us via email and we can, uh, mm. we can make that happen. You just have to send us some, some dollars.
1: Nice. Everything folds in on
0: itself, right? Mm-hmm. Listen, we live in the capitalistic society and as such, sometimes we have to do things we don't really want to do. Oh
1: yeah, we need, uh, we need funds. We uh-huh. still exist in it, whether we enjoy it or not.
0: So send us your money to P.O. Box. No, it <laughs> wouldn't be great if we Cavalish had checks. Box. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dave, we have sat down. We've watched this movie. Me for the second time. You for the first. Let's uh, think of a little bit of a scenario here, though. So let's say that we are sitting at an art auction. And we have those like little ping pong paddle things with numbers on it. Auction. You know? Yeah,
1: we don't have yeah, any money. We just said we had no
0: money. What? Why are we at an art hey, auction? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I want to live, Dave. I want to feel like I'm alive. We're we're the ushers. I'm going to win. I'm going to yeah. win that Van Gogh, and I'm going to run out of that building as fast as I can. Oh man! Anyway, so we're at an art, art auction. We have a little ping pong paddle so we can like hit each uh, other. Auction on face. stuff yeah. or not? Vote on stuff. Just,
1: uh, bid. Bid so, on stuff. Yeah. That's the word. You're With bidding three on stuff.
0: it nice. And a gentleman behind us leans forward and uh. he has a DVD copy of Can You Ever Forgive <laughs> Me? And he's like, "Hey, gentlemen." <laughs> <laughs> What is this well. movie about? Yeah, it's going well. <laughs> <laughs> what would you? How would you answer him, Dave?
1: What is this movie about? Uh, it's the true story of a washed-up writer who who discovers that she can make money forging letters mm-hmm. uh, from dead prominent prominent dead authors.
0: Uh, they're not all authors, but sure. Were they not? Yeah, Fanny Bryce is not. She was oh, a, right, right. an actress. actress.
1: That's right. And yeah, Catherine
0: yeah. Hepburn—that she does. just she well, Catherine she does Hepburn.
1: I thought it was no. Well, the
0: first letter she sells is Ca- the first leather she sells is Catherine Hepburn, but it, she didn't forge that one, so never mind. I'm oh, retracting okay. that statement.
1: Yeah. Oh, whatever. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Yeah.
0: Anyways, okay. Yes. So is able to get some money by by forging it, and it becomes a new creative passion of hers in in a mm-hmm. weird way.
1: Mm-hmm. Literally cooking the documents.
0: Well, you have to look real, Dave. You can't just like whip out whatever you're going to Staples (laughs) and buy some white paper and it's it's Fanny Bryce. Like, no. It's not going to pass the mustard. And
1: pepperous in Comic Sans MS.
0: (laughs) I love that. Some wingdings at the end of this letter. This is obviously real. Trebuchet. So, Dave, you don't like this movie. Tell me why.
1: I don't know. I just thought it was plotting. I think, Mm. um, you know, as it starts, I, like I said, I don't mind Melissa McCarthy in a dramatic turn and I, I don't even remember the character actor's name again.
0: Richard E. Grant.
1: Yes. Richard E. Grant's great in it. I don't even mind the setup and the premise. I think where it lost me is that we spend probably 30 minutes with this woman in misery. And I just, I was starting to wonder, why are we driving this so much? We don't know anything about where she comes from, why she's capable of uh, even making the decisions that she's about to make. We don't really get a hint that she would even understand the language in which to write these letters. It just comes as like a gift of God. And then as it goes towards the end, I was like getting into it because, you know, any heist film – where we start, yeah, we start seeing her yeah, yeah. like the part where she lays the TV on the side, and I'm like, oh, that's a that's a fucking neat trick. And then mm-hmm. getting all the typewriters because the first one does look different, and I was like, all right, yes. well, you're gonna get caught. And then uh, uh, her interchange and in trying to get around the ever the growing com- complexities yeah. of uh, con artistry is you know it has a lot of um, has a lot of narrative momentum. But at the end, I just found that. It's so American that this woman who gets paid for fraud, gets caught, becomes successful for um, doing the fraud, writes a book, gets a movie, becomes almost a heroine of a story. It made me feel very like, I don't know, just like, oh, I can't believe I spent, how long is this movie? 98 minutes or something. It's not that long. it's
0: It's not super long. So, I just felt kind of let down by it. I don't know. I mean, I, okay, I'll get into the reasons why I like this movie in a second. I, got, I take, I guess, the most umbrage with how you wrap that up. Okay. Because I, I, I guess I sort of understand that argument. And maybe the movie doesn't communicate this 100%, but they do, they do tell you the date. It's like 15 years after she commits these crimes, she writes the book. It's not like immediately after she becomes like, successful just yeah. to pay all that money back. Anyway, she, she doesn't get to keep all that money that she got for the forgeries. And then she dies like five years after she writes the book before the movie is made. So it's not like she even got to reap that benefit from it. So I just don't see this being like, oh, this huge well, capitalist like, profits like, off of this.
1: You're thinking about what really happened and not how it's projected on a film okay so if i like watch this and then you and i talk and if i have a stroke and i actually read about this woman because why the fuck would i <laughs> uh, and then i get some historical context and then i start another podcast where someone's like we should watch this movie again and i watch it a second time then maybe you know these little touch points will come up and i be like oh i understand that this is when this might have happened and oh there's mm-hmm. this much time that happened between this and oh i know she didn't really get away with it because she's gonna fucking die like yeah maybe but as a blind sit down watch, you know, as a film itself had struggled with some parts of momentum at the sure. end, I didn't like the message. So.
0: so here I have a few reasons of why I like this for just like what is in the actual movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll tell them like these two reasons that are, I think are subtext. They're very similar, but I'm, I'm calling them two separate things. So the first reasons why I like this movie, number one. I love the performances in this movie. I think both Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant are so good. And I love them as a duo in -hmm. this. This ties into the second reason of the actual subject matter of this. which she is the most interested in. Old vaudeville Hollywood. It's like completely my jam. So I actually know the people that they're even referring to. Uh, Like I know who Fanny Bryce is. I know who Tallulah Bankhead is. Like These are niche people that most people don't know about. I do love con man stories. There's just something about that. About being able to pull something off. That you shouldn't be able to pull off, that I just find eminently compelling. The other two movies I kind of thought about, they're very different, but that are somewhat similar are uh, Catch Me If You Can and I Love You, Philip Morris. So, both based on true people, both people who like make stuff up and like con people out of either money or getting what they want.
1: Both more fun to watch than this film.
0: I'll, I'll grant you the Catch Me If You Can one. I think that's a really fun movie. Yeah.
1: <laughs> of course, that's Spielberg. So.
0: You're yeah. already, It's a stack. I'm. am Yeah. I'm in the paint <laughs> for that one. But uh, and there's there's that thing. It's like, are they going to get away with this? There's yeah, always yeah, that can yeah. they will they will will they won't they sort it's of the thing.
1: excitement of crime thrillers. Yes, absolutely.
0: I also love this discussion or this exploration, I guess, of creating what you love versus being a brand, which I think they spent a lot of time actually getting into because the biggest frustration she keeps running up against. When she's at the party, when she's with her agent, she brings it up with Richard D. Grand multiple times throughout this. Is like, I want to be writing this, the stuff that I'm interested in, these old character actresses and writers that, again, nobody really cares about, but she cares about. And there's other people who do care about in that niche. But as a broad audience, people do not care about these people. But she's also repeatedly told, you're a good writer. You're a great writer. I just can't market you to anyone to sell them on you being the brand, you have to go and do talk shows and be nice to people. And that's what she keeps running up against, which is uh, largely her fault. I don't want to be like, it's not her fault, like her own personality. But it is also the fact that like, should an artist need to do that? And there, that's a whole other conversation. But I love that one quote that uh, Jane Curtin says, who I think Jane Curtin should be in more movies. But yeah, Jane Curtin she's awesome. says like, you can be an asshole if you're famous. You can't be unknown and be such a bitch. Yeah. And it's that weird dichotomy. It's, it's like funny. you can be. if you, mm-hmm. The more famous you become, the bigger jerk you can be.
2: That's why I get away with all the stuff I say. I'm super duper famous.
0: Here's the thing.
1: Um, we kind of brought this up in our All Style episode, but mm-hmm. this romantic, it is a capitalist American illusion that you can win just being who you are is a sure. fucking joke, right? It's poisonous. The sad irony of that statement is that when you are able to sell yourself out to make the money, if that's who you are, then you get the success. Because success, as we define it, like for her, if she's truly as worried about her just being an artist, she could self-publish. I know this is nineteen eighty something. She could take umbrage, take umbrage in that these books to owners give a shit about her, but she doesn't want that. Right, she wants to be Tom Clancy. She wants to be something. She does, but she actually doesn't want it at the same time. So I can appreciate the complexity of, like, that seems like a real person. So yeah, like there are interesting conversations that like, we had around the film, but it's still it's still a leap to go from that to the to the fraud. And I think,
0: well, I so know. this is why it ties into why I find the fraud so fascinating. This kind of um, battle in within her of like who am I really? And what is my actual voice? That is her superpower. She's able to write in the voice of other people so effectively, but she can't write from her own point of view. She's like, who am I really? Who is Lee Israel? And I don't know who that is. Which brings me into my two subtextual points. Queer found families. You find this a lot in LGBT stories about people being like disowned from either their own families and finding a community of family somewhere else. Her is just her and Richard E. Grant, like the two co-conspirators. Hima. Uh, petty thief and her someone who is like forger uh, finding each other but more so than that is like being forced to pretend something that you're not like that's like that's her ultimate thing that she says at the the very end that I had to write down because I was not going to remember it off the top of my head I've been living in a state of enormous guilt and anxiety for the past year not because I felt like I was doing something wrong but because I was always afraid of being found out I find that's just a super queer reading into that you know you're not doing something wrong But society sees it as being wrong. You have to.
1: No, she is doing something wrong. She's making money, pretending to be somebody else and selling documents, you know, Mm -hmm. fraudulently. It's different than being. This is why when you brought up off mic a couple of days ago that the queer community really champions this film. I think there's a disconnect there because her last line is one in which she is not repentant about the things She's that not. she
0: did. Yes, I agree with right? that. Yeah.
1: But what she did wasn't morally acceptable. So, for example, when we're talking about sexuality, in my opinion, as a cisgendered heterosexual mm-hmm. man, I don't think there's anything wrong with people doing whatever the fuck they want. So, already, uh, the argument doesn't connect with me because it is not the same as forging documents. If you wanted to do some, like, double irony, you could talk maybe about an actor who's pretending to be gay, who isn't. and then Like, I don't, I don't know what... Point you have to add one more layer of fraud for that to connect for me.
0: I think the issue for me is that the the hard chip is like yes, like I guess if we want to get like morally, is she doing something wrong? Yes, but my pushback a little bit is like, but who's she actually hurting? These are Everybody. not going on public display. What? These are rich Publishers. benefactors who are purchasing.
1: No. See, that's. Yes, they are, they
0: say that explicitly. These are rich, uh, private collectors who are buying these letters for their own personal collections. She is not doing this so that gets posted up on billboards or put into other places.
1: This is the trap again, ironically, Mm -hmm. of capitalist fraud, which is this idea of a Robin Hood that only only the rich lose, and I'm the only one who benefits. Is it's a fallacy, right? Mm -hmm. Because unfortunately, the power of trickle down economics, which is poisoning us, is that when those rich fuckers find out they're frauded they don't care they write all that shit off we're the ones that fucking lose in the long run so when we're looking at it just as oh well she deserves it because she's a cat lady and everybody treats her so poorly so so what if she makes a couple thousand bucks off a bunch of fucking rich wackos in hollywood that's already a perverse argument because that's suggesting that you know that that guy or woman who's collecting it is a bad person and deserves to have lost you know, $10,000, which is categorically impossible to prove. It's a a weird romanticism about it, which is why I think we all love criminal movies, right? Because we romanticize about this lifestyle, but this is a real person. Why are we making a hero out of her?
0: Hmm. I don't know if I would agree that they make a hero out of her by the end. I agree that this movie is siding with her, but I don't think it's being like, I don't think the ultimate takeaway from this is like everything she did was okay. I really don't think that that's where the movie ends up. Okay. I I think it's much more complicated than that. I, for me, I feel empathy for her, even though I don't really agree with her actions. If that's the weird thing, I'll be I'll be the perverse one. I just don't care that she's frauding people out of money for these letters. Mm. It's such a like a white collar crime to me. That it's like I don't really see her. Like th- oh. this is different than being like I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good example.
1: Like murder.
0: murder, I guess, but that seems so, that seems so extreme. Well, that's my point, like,
1: even the idea of a white-collar crime is kind of fascinating if you think about it, you
0: know? I I, I mean, the other, the, 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 another literary example, Jean Valjean from Les Miserables, right? He steals bread to feed his family. Did, is what he did wrong? Thousand percent. He stole something from someone. He robbed someone of their money that they could make that day. In the French society at that point, if you were poor, you were supposed to just go away and die. That was what was supposed to be acceptable. Me as a reader is like, yeah, no, I totally think he's justified to go and do that. But did he do something wrong still?
1: Yeah. Okay, okay. But in that, in just, I mean, not to pick on something that you had to kind of come up with on the spot, but the reason why Jean Valjean specifically transcends this argument is because he spends the rest of his life. In a Christian atonement, every part of his story is actually about how he actually feels guilt about that crime and tries to make himself into this puritanical Mm -hmm. beast of moral, you know, power. And then the world keeps dragging him back down to the reality that you can't actually be a good person, (laughs) right? Again, to your point, like if you're in that class and he tries, he almost gets out of it as the mayor, Mm -hmm. life is just conspiring break you down right i mean that's right. revolutionary thought post-war is the same like world war ii and so these are not ethical problems that we can answer however i do feel like that's what twisted me the wrong way when you portray a film like this where you're living in a ethical or moral gray area i guess i'm too naive i don't want to watch i don't want to spend 90 minutes with somebody who thinks that they're uh living on the side of what I value. If there isn't a twist to come back to reflect on who we are as a society or what I ought to do to better myself, then I question why I even spent the 90 minutes.
0: No, I agree with place. that. She, she is not remorseful at the very end. Like yeah. there's no, <laughs> there's no remorse that she says, but I do think that there is that important scene she has with her, like her former lover wife yes. who, who basically says like lee i am not here to talk you off the ledge anymore it's not my job basically undercut underscoring the thing is like you are ready to jump into the deep end instead of like actually working on yourself to become a better person yes so i think that there is some culpability that the movie is presenting and being like okay like she has options here she's just not taking those options
1: yeah there's a reflection for sure on the personality of somebody that will yeah drink too much commit crimes and be so self-serving the scene with the complaining about flies when she's living in shit you know there's living in shit yeah, yeah so there's there's a lot there i just i think yeah. this is the direction for me i just feel like it's glossed over a little bit as a deeper thing it's like it's all there because it was real so the i don't know if the conversation specifically happened but yeah um, this is a real person these are presumably uh, conversations and events that happen in the person's real life but then as far as digging deeper into like what brought her to this point in the first place we don't know anything we don't know how she grew up we don't know why her first books were a success we don't know that no 20 but, uh, years between like she had a bestseller
0: allegedly But at the same time isn't this doing something that we have been criticizing for like the last three biopics we've talked about where they take too long of a I know. Span of time I, so where it's like, it stuck. tells a very compact story isn't this like,
1: all over correction then i don't know i don't yeah, know I, yeah, mean, I don't know
0: <laughs> I, yeah, you're right. From what but. I read, I only found this out literally yesterday. So I, I never looked this up before. By the sound of it, her first book was like basically like a surprise hit. Like it, like it shouldn't it just, have been. Yeah. Should, quote, unquote, shouldn't have been so popular. Just a lot of people bought it or the right people bought it. The two other books she wrote like, were like way, way less in sales yeah, sort of thing. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, and the other thing, uh, maybe I wasn't paying enough attention to Jane Curtin's dialogue. Maybe she brings that up and it just didn't register in my brain. You know, uh, it's possible. I mean,
0: I think the thing that's easy to miss, to be honest, because I've now watched this two times. So the first letter she sells for like very little money Mm -hmm. is an actual letter that Catherine Hepburn sends to her. So it's a real letter that she sells for money. So she Catherine finds Hepburn. in a book,
1: right? Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. But it, it was an actual letter that Catherine Hepburn sent to her because of a biography she had been writing. And then the second and third letters are real letters from Fanny Bryce, but that she steals from the library. Okay and then she starts forging them because like those letters she doesn't get a lot of money because they're boring because most letters are boring but they're still so then money that's in when it. she starts adding things and starts her forging oh, right, right, letters right. over like a year and a half like,
1: the null cower she put a ps she didn't write the whole letter at the beginning correct she only she adds added a, little a funny bit. line yeah, or yeah. whatever okay yeah
0: Anyways, I do think all that is there, but you're right in saying, I don't know if they spend a lot of time like, well, now let's disseminate this and have yeah. a conversation about no,
1: it. That's a good point. Like do how much dissemination did I really want? And I don't know. I got to, yeah, And this is a try with the biopic. Maybe, you know, if we're writing Gandhi and we're like, you know, the most important part maybe is the, the, the split and the March, mm-hmm. how do we get there? Well. We have to show that he was a spiritual leader, you know, leading up to mm-hmm. it. Well, how do we get there? Well, we got to show that he was a revolutionary. Well, what about the fact that he's a lawyer? Well, that does play. He has to know this, you know, it's like, I mean, it's a never ending. Uh,
0: far be it from me poem. being an unsuccessful writer. I think there's only one small addendum I would do to this story. And I think you have to show we're being successful first. I think so. I think I think that's where you start, where it's like you see all like it doesn't even have to be that long of her like riding high on these biographies, yeah. and then smash cut to her in that bar drinking a drink by herself. Like okay, Same so thing. we've seen her at her highest, lowest, start of a movie,
1: or at least like if you didn't want to spend the time, uh, you know, developing a separate set or a uh, scene, just make it a little bit more evident in the dialogue, which is why maybe I missed it. You know, maybe Jane Curtin is telling her the entire time uh, and alluding to this different person either that she thought she was or that her first book was a fluke Mm -hmm. but i didn't catch it so you know maybe that's on me if anyone has seen this movie and is listening still at this point maybe they can email Mm -hmm. or let us know that i just fucked that up
2: i'm going to send you so many letters
0: Two other things. One, I do think that there's some really funny dialogue throughout this movie. It really does echo the stuff that she likes the 40s comedies, the witticisms of the, the high society of the time. My favorite one actually being when Patricia Grant is trying to sell the letters off mm. and the, he asks him, like, well, Why didn't you sell it to the other place if he's going to sell it to you for 200 bucks? Like, I don't sell to the boroughs. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very New York joke. The weird thing is that if she lived now in the year 2023, I think a Fanny Bryce book would sell pretty well, just with all the controversy surrounding Funny Girl currently, but that's beside the point.
1: I think uh, so much of fame is contextual and timing, right? It's not Mm -hmm. luck per se, but a lot of things have to kind of come together at the right moment. So... Oh, yeah. Even this film, you know, when it comes out, if they didn't put the question mark, (laughs) wouldn't have done better. I don't know, right?
0: It's so weird. At least $5 million (laughs) more without the question mark.
1: (laughs) But I also think there's a reason why, I don't know, I think I'm being presumptuous here just because I don't know it. It's not in the popular mindset, this film.
0: Oh, I don't think so either. I'm not, my argument is not that it is gaining.
1: Or or, I I guess maybe what I'm going to ask is, could it have been with the minor, like is the story strong enough? for that
0: i think so and honestly another movie again it's, it's very different but a movie we've talked about on the show is uh, the informer michael mann's movie from 1999 oh, yeah. about the cigarettes and stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah. which is like every time i watch that movie i'm like oh yeah this is such a great movie it's just like it's a great drama that mm-hmm. you go through and i honestly feel for this movie it's light it's easy to watch i have a fun time watching it is it ever going to be in my top 100 no but i still love watching it if it was ever to come on or if i was scrolling through things
1: yeah, I sent you that screenshot of this research stuff I'm doing for this job, but that question of transformational and transactional, I do not feel like for a film that was meant to be debating sort of moral, ethical, sexual, social societal, you know, questions. There's it has everything. It's got class struggle, it's got poverty, it's got um, you know, queer culture, it's got fraud, it's got Everything uh, at the end of the film, I just I turned it off and I was like, I don't yeah. know, I
0: don't. Well, know. well, this is the other question too: is like, is that that trick of a- adaptation and specifically of real people? Because again, upon further research this week, Leoscow didn't have remorse about doing this. No, so should, should the movie do that just to have like a better ending? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't think so. So it's, it's tough like. One. It, it feels maybe off to I think a certain audience member be like, oh, this is this feels wrong that she doesn't feel anything about this. And for me, it's like, well, I mean, she's been shown through the entire movie to be self-centered. I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah. she's a self-centered person still dealing with things. There's a, a certain amount of empathy I have for her, but maybe, real people don't just do a sudden change at the end of a Hollywood movie.
1: Well, maybe that's you know what, and uh, maybe what put me off the most, maybe Melissa McCarthy shouldn't have been crying at the end Mm. like maybe if you're gonna go that that route maybe true yeah maybe just push and and she gets the decision based on the fact that she's being at least truthful but it does show visual remorse as though we are supposed to have more empathy for her so maybe that's another thing you know we watched uh What's the lady from Gone Girl? She did that movie. I care about you a lot. Or,
0: mm, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's
1: about being a monster and just being a fucking psychopath. So I didn't. I also didn't really enjoy it by the end of the film. But that one, is, you know, she's unapologetically a horrible person. So one could make a story about that if one, you know, were so inclined.
0: I mean, I think that's the trick because I mean. The same thing gets said a little bit about the Wolf of Wall Street. Again, mm-hmm. another real person who hoodwinks people that have a bunch of money, who he himself wasn't ever really that remorseful no. for doing that. Where you get the catharsis, how I think Scorsese gets around that is you have, what's the Kyle Chandler character that they put into the movie, the police, the detective or whoever's going through. He has the moments like, oh, all the stuff I did to reveal him, nobody cares about it. Yeah. That's the catharsis. You guys like, oh my God. Okay. That's the, the I don't know, the bricks dropping moment. Yeah.
1: Also, I mean, it was an epilogue at the end, too. Just Mm -hmm. fucking finish. I know it's short, but...
0: Let's do some backstory here, then, and there's some other points I have written down that we can go through. So this movie opened up on October 18th, 2018. Currently, it's rated 3.6 on Letterboxd, has a 7.1 on IMDb, an 87 on Metacritic, and on Rotten Tomatoes, from 325 critics, it sits at 98%, and from 2,500 users, which is pretty low, it sits at 81%. Well,
1: it has a question mark in it.
0: Makes you question why you're watching it. <laughs> question mark, they would have been up to 90 for sure. Um, it is available in DVD and Blu-ray. You can rent it on both YouTube and iTunes, and at least in Canada, you can stream it on Disney Plus. Its budget was $10 million. Its box office was $12 million, so it did not do very well. Plot description from IMDB is when Lee Israel falls out of step with current tastes, she turns her art form to deception. <laughs>
1: That's a good one, actually. It's succinct.
0: This movie does not have a tagline, Dave. Isn't that interesting? The game is
1: faltering. I, I honestly thought taglines were way more uh, prevalent. Popular in 2018? They, yeah. I did
0: too. And apparently they are not. we well, will have to come up with a new game. Anyways, I'm sure you're going to go out and watch a Renfield this week. What? Renfield. Oh, the
1: vampire movie. <laughs> the vampire
0: movie with Nicholas Cage. With your case. two yeah. crushes. I would not kick Nicholas Holt out of bed, let me tell you that much. Who, <laughs> oh, by the way is filming a movie here in Calgary yeah. this summer.
1: I just saw a picture of him like a thumbnail of him and Nick Shirtless, Cage doing a like a press mean? interview, right? Oh, okay. And I don't know, he he went uh, full emo hipster for his uh
0: look and it just looks weird. Yeah, hot is what pass. you're saying. Yeah, pass. Uh no.
1: How's <laughs> <laughs> okay. got a warm body for that zombie.
0: <laughs> he will be a A a days of future past with me. You
1: got a good uh, wig for that I wouldn't want to be a single man with him
0: in the room. (laughs) you
1: go beast for that guy, yeah.
0: Okay. uh, The stars, Melissa McCarthy as Lee Israel, Mm -hmm. Richard E. Grant as Jack Hawk, and Dolly Wells as Anna.
1: Oh, yes. Right, 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 right.
0: Anything else that we want to say about any of these actors? Nope. Cinematography is by Brandon Frost. His top four on IMDb are this movie, An American Pickle. That's a Seth Rogen movie uh, that had the misfortune of coming out like right as COVID was coming out. So it kind of just got right uh, to streaming. The Disaster Artist from
1: 2017. Uh, uh, James Franco one.
0: James Franco, Tommy Wiseau film. And uh, This Is The End from 2013. Uh So two James
1: Franco. So he knows knows James Franco, Seth Rogen.
0: This is written by Nicole Center and Jeff Witte, based on the book by Lee Israel, directed by Mariel Heller. Here's the thing. So there's the whole history of the Israel herself, of course, but without going into all of that, uh, the two screenwriters on this are a pretty interesting pair, and I'd really love to know, because there's nothing written about this movie, how they came together. Jeff Woody is the co-writer of the musical Avenue Q. If you want to m- Tony for that, if you're not familiar with Avenue Q, it's basically the show that is Sesame Street, but for adults. It has a bunch of Muppets, it's X-rated, it won the Tony over Wicked. It was like this big upset here. This is his only screenplay to date, but he still works in the theater. Nicole Hall Center is an accomplished screenwriter and director herself, although she is, as we say nowadays, a Nepo baby. Her father was this artist like he's a sculptor and her mother was a set decorator. Uh, She began her career on on, on, uh, Woody Allen sets. She was a production assistant and then eventually worked herself up to apprentice editor. Her first feature film was from 1996 called Walking and Talking and she stayed mostly in the independent film environment since that time. She does have a pretty large following amongst like cinephiles. People like her a lot. One of her Last features she directed was this movie called Enough Said in 2013, which starred Julia Louis Dreyfus and James Gandolfini in his last movie role. She also helped co-write Ridley Scott's The Last Duel from last year or the year before. Totally uh, and she does have an upcoming movie, also starring Julia Louis Dreyfus, called You Hurt My Feelings, that's supposed to be out later this year.
1: I just clicked on Jeff Witty, and I don't think he's yeah. a real person because that is definitely a computer-generated avatar.
2: Every AI-generated image is so hot.
0: Okay, I'm glad you brought this up because I clicked on his uh, his uh, picture as well. I was like, that is the smoothest skin I have ever seen <laughs> no, on a human being. No, that's not real.
1: Yeah, that's not a photograph.
0: This has been altered. I think that's just some Photoshop touch-ups. No, this, Photoshop is, uh, touch-ups.
1: this is not Photoshop. This is a computer-generated
0: image. Then why does he have all these other credits? Like, he It's not like he's not... I don't know. No, it must be. I mean, I will presume he's a real person. I think he's a real person. I don't know if that picture is a real picture. Yeah, I don't know I if it's, it's supposed to be
1: ironic or if maybe it's a ghost writing handle and it's actually somebody else. But that is 100% a CGI uh, <laughs> yeah, form.
0: <laughs> Why I also wish there was more written about this movie is that there's a bit of a controversy in the making of this movie because the original pitch for this film was for Nicole Hall of to also be the director. She mm-hmm. cast Julianne Moore and Sam Rockwell as the two leads are saying to film it. But her and Moore start hating each other. Like, they start fighting. They're not getting along. And it causes both of them to leave the project. They just both leave. Rockwell soon follows suit. But somebody who had already been cast in a supporting role was Ben Falcone. And he's like... To the producers, why don't you hire my wife, Melissa McCarthy? And she says yes. So the producers hire her. Richard E. Grant follows. And then they get Mariel Heller to come on to be the director. <laughs> so there's some Sorted. weirdness that was going on. Yeah. Filming takes place January to March of 2017. There's a long wait until September of 2018 when it debuts at the Telluride Film Festival and then does its theatrical release uh, that October. Uh, While not very strong at the box office, it picks up three Academy Award nominations, one for Best Actor or Actress for Melissa McCarthy, one for Best Supporting Actor for Richard E. Grant, and one for Best Adapted Screenplay for Hall of Center and Witty, they win none of those, so.
1: I mean, uh, I don't want to sound like I hated watching this film. I think all the performances are quite good. I Like, I, some of the dialogue's great. I love the awkward date. Uh, I think that oh seems God. hilarious. Yes. Uh, Jane Curtin's great in it. Even the uh, portrayal of Tom Clancy is fucking hilarious.
0: Tom Clancy, yes, of course, plays the game and stuff, and uh, he might not actually write all the stuff he writes either, oh but still, God. like, there's yeah. <laughs> uh, there's this idea of being the blowhard I was
1: a big uh, Tom Clancy fan. Uh, Hunt for Red October. I was, you know, Sean Connery's awesome. Yeah. And then I started reading that and Michael Crichton books. So Crichton, Crichton, whatever. So between Crichton, the two of yeah. them in high school, I read a bunch of that air, airport reading. To so even in uh, the picture they put in his books, you can tell he's a fucking gun nut.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the the writing's good. It was the first time, in, you know, in my teens, well, I, I mean, would watch
0: read like seven hundred pages and just be like, yeah, that's fine. This is this is why I think this movie is. Actually, more anti-capitalist than you present it to be, because she wants again wants to write a book about Fanny Bryce that probably no one is going to buy. I, I grant you that, but she is only asking for fifteen thousand dollars, which for a publishing in the early nineties is like nothing.
1: Yeah, but it's not charity, right?
0: And no, I get she's that. She's not I get that.
1: Uh, the, and this is this is the awkward thing. And I'm not going to blame this entirely as though capitalism is a monolith per se, but uh, we are all of us in an awkward position where. No matter how disillusioned we are on the money-grubbing evil capitalist monster, uh, we still need to eat right? And we still live within mm-hmm. this system. So we look at this woman and she's in abject poverty. Uh, she's hungry. She's going to lose her apartment. She's on the last stage becoming dying. homeless. Somehow she can still afford her booze. Classic. What is the relationship we have with her? And that's the difficulty with real stories, I think.
0: Yeah, it's a tough one. Well, I think the big thing is that because multiple people do say throughout, like she's a good writer, she's a good writer, she's a good writer. So it's not like she has no talent. I don't think there's any debate about that. She has talent. It's just that she, what she is trying to sell. Nobody is buying. But,
1: yeah, that's the weird thing. What does it mean to have Talent, and
0: so that's like, do you just then go yeah. the opposite way and like, I'll just write this wishy washy biography on somebody I don't care about just to have the money? And that's not
1: that's the thing, that isn't even the proposal in it. It's not like Jane Curtin was like, Well, everybody needs another biography of Madonna, you won't do that. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not implied there. What she's implying is simply make yourself presentable, <laughs> yeah. It's not a hard line, well, that, right?
0: And again, I, I think, think, think that that bar. is where the movie is a bit culpable with her because I think it's shown she has a choice here, yeah. like, she could be more presentable, be a bit nicer to people, do a little, like, uh, whatever, like, stupid interview, it's a fluff yeah. piece, that would get enough, probably good press, so that she could get her funding, so that she can write the book that she wants to write. She's just unwilling to do that. She's unwilling to even go that for like small little step and part of that is trauma and part of that is a bunch of other stuff that is her fault but uh i think underneath all of that is like i don't want to compromise any of this or else i fail as an artist
1: when i did a interview for my photography podcast with uh donna schwartz is a professor here and she has a degree in ethnography one of her thesis projects was to interview photographers back in I don't want to date her but it was a long time ago summer in America and she said it was the hobbyists and the um, aficionados who are obsessed with this idea of a pure photograph and they were the highest yeah, yeah, yeah. critical right i think we fall into the trap with this you know what does it mean to have talent as a writer Kyle if it isn't about marketability. Would we say that, I don't know, if somebody who doesn't sell 100 million copies is less talented than Margaret Atwood
0: patent, or yeah. J.K. Rowling? I don't know. This is the eternal debate, right? And I know you're not arguing this point, but like, just because someone is super popular does not mean they are the best writer. And just because you cannot make a living doesn't mean you're a bad one. Yeah. It might mean you're bad at marketing or, you're ba- or whatever. There's yes, a whole yes. bunch of issues that are in You're that missing a different part, but yeah. Like, But there, I think there is this idea that, that even I fall into, unfortunately, sometimes where it's like, yeah, like you're doing it for the love of it. You're doing it for like, you're, because it's pure and and everything. And then you talk to the people who are like, I'm talking about film now specifically, but like you're talking to like the grips and the electrical and it's just a job. Like it's like, yeah, whatever I go, I put the light there. I don't care if it's the worst thing of all time or the best thing of all time. I'm getting paid the same no matter what. So who cares? A lot of that, like, I don't know, adulation kind of falls out of that. Uh, The more you talk to, like, the people behind the scenes, yes, finding your voice and, like, being truthful to yourself. The two super divided camps are usually talking past each other, right? Where it's like money is important so that you can continue doing your own thing. But I don't know, doing a puff piece interview is not going to ruin the mystique of you as an author either. Like you can, you can still... doesn't have
1: to anyways. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't
0: have to be. So, I mean, I, I don't think you doing that is is enough to be like, oh, I'm not an artist anymore, whatever that means.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. Like, I'm just trying to think of all the auteurs we've come across in our film history. And, you know, Kubrick makes nine films and dies. I can't remember. And so he's like championed by m- most as this singular talent but then you have scorsese who's made a movie a year
0: Well, yeah, movie every couple of years. And
1: yeah. uh, he's losing his appeal now because people are like, well, look at this shit he did in 1980. You know, it's like, well, he also made some of the most important films yeah, like, I don't of know what our you generation. Want, yeah. So, does he, you know, it's it's weird. Public opinion is weird. I mean, weird one, that's, right? yeah,
0: that's always the hard conversation we get into because that's the, the, the Spielberg question, too. Right. It's like, no, I don't watch popular stuff because Spielberg is whatever. They're good movies. It's like, well, I mean. <laughs>
1: I think too, we associate maybe too much with a snobby critical culture in terms of like reading reviews or discussion points. At the end of the day, I also want to have fun. I want to have fun watching a film, right? I Mm watched Super Mario Bros. I know it's not going to be a good movie, right? It's getting critically panned, but it was fun. It was so stupid. Right. But that's a movie because I have a son that you go in and you enjoy, right? But then I watched this, which is, we just talked about all these amazing intellectual touch points, <laughs> you know, yeah. talking about huge
0: societal problems.
1: And at the end, I was like, "Ugh, I want my 90 minutes back. I'll go back to the theater and watch Super Mario Bros. All
0: right. Well, I love my <laughs> 90 minutes. Um, I just wanted to bring up one last thing. I, I didn't remember this line from the last time I watched it, and I didn't know what they were referring to. Do you remember when they talk about the Hitler diaries mm, in this movie? No. You know what those are? No. It, you can kind of intuit it through the, the dialogue, but it was a person who said like they discovered this lost diary of Hitler and published it, and it came out. It was completely made up. He, he was but that completely was a real making up the thing. whole okay. thing. Yep. It was a real thing that happened in the real world. But uh, anyways, it's an interesting like little <laughs> sub-point that is brought into... The narrative.
1: And we know yeah. And we know she's not the only fraud who ever lived. Yeah. Right? I mean, we live in a fraudulent culture. Um if you're on Mm -hmm. social media, I know it's shocking, but most of what you're watching is not true.
0: No the hilarious thing is talking about catch me if you can, the big revelation here recently was most of that stuff is made up as well. Oh, the actual story (laughs) it's based on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the fraud was actually being uh fraudulent about the fraud he was committing. Like that's that's how deep it goes. Yeah.
1: I feel like if you're gonna have fun with a story like this, You got to go to the comedy side. If you're going to make it gritty, then we need to finish the movie with some reflection about myself as I relate to it. And for me, this movie just left me trading water a bit. It's just,
2: eh.
0: It was great. Um, Okay, so...
2: (laughs) We're done here.
0: She says that we do have to wrap things up here, so let's go into Critics' Choice here. So the positive review I'm going to uh, read out here is by Mark Kermode, writing for The Guardian. He gave this four out of five stars, and he writes, Tonally, Can You Ever Forgive Me? cuts an elegant path between humor and pathos. While there are plenty of well-orchestrated laughs, Lee's tirades against the world in general and Tom Clancy in particular, it's the more low-key moments that really hit home. When Lee finds herself conning bookshop owner Anna, played by Dolly Wells, the tenderly observed subplot reveals Lee's inherent tendency towards self-destruction and self-loathing, the real heart of the piece. All of which makes it more moving when Lee gradually starts to find her own voice, even while imitating the voices of others. That we emerge from it all smiling is a credit to the delicate balancing act that this very likable movie pulls off with aplomb
1: smiling were you smiling when this movie finished
0: i was it was great so fun dave Isn't, this is a fun romp you know it's a fun romp oceans 11 is a fun romp i, I thought you're gonna go super mario bros <laughs> again i was gonna punch you through <laughs> the <this> screen <laughs>
1: Fast Five is a fun romp. If you want a crime, if you want a crime film,
0: this this movie actually should have ended her with pulling out of a safe with a big truck on a chain. It's like whipping around New York City.
1: I I just have a different idea of fun. Like I was not smiling when this movie finished. But again, and it brings up my worry about patronizing this person as some kind of fucking saint of the dispossessed. Mm. It's weird that someone finished this movie and think what a likable person. James Cole Clay. So I've got uh, James Cole Clay from freshfiction.tv. Where do you find this stuff?
0: Rotten Tomatoes. What? It was actually, to be honest, Dave, really hard to find a negative review. So well, yeah. What What'd you, you saying on Rotten
1: Tomatoes? Like 80 something?
0: It's like 98%. Percent. Yeah. So there's only two critics and the other one was in Spanish and I didn't know what, what it meant. Uh,
1: how many critics wrote reviews for this?
0: 300 something. Uh, not a lot. Not a big pool either.
1: How do you pronounce this woman's name? Halof Center? Halof Center. Hall of Center's work typically has a bite like well, black say licorice. You can what
0: grade he gave to this.
1: Oh, C plus? Is that important? Yeah. I
0: don't know.
1: And just let the, let the words do the talking. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> as a bite like black licorice, I fucking hate licorice, with a mm-hmm. wit that charms. In Can You Ever Forgive Me, however, all of that is non-existent. It's a shell of what has put her on the map as one of the wittiest screenwriters in Hollywood. Heller is a notable director in her own right. Her debut film, The Diary of a Teenage Girl, what what is going on, like who gives a shit, this is a review of the director, was a knockout that managed uncomfortable tones and characters with the greatest of ease. It was a stunning achievement, while this is a step in a more stuffy direction. There has been a lot of awards chatter surrounding McCarthy and Grant for this movie, with many praising their dynamic. But really, none of that shows on the screen. Can You Ever Forgive Me is a misguided and frankly dull attempt at framing an undesirable character.
0: You agree with half of that statement? Yeah,
1: uh, parts of it. I think they do have great chemistry on the screen. I think that's yeah. a lot. And this person clearly has it out for uh, the director. It's kind of, yeah, it's a bit awkward, isn't
0: it? You know, it's wild because you just presented that with me. I kind of do want to see a movie where Richard E. Grant and Melissa McCarthy perform a heist somewhere. Yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. That <laughs> should have be been.
0: comedic characters and just like try and perform a heist. He
1: might have been able to uh, save Ocean's 7, 8. What was the one with eight. the women? Oh, the one eight? with all women. No. That movie... With that cast, should have been good. Should have been good.
0: Dave, we do ask this question each and every week. Does this hold up? And is it still culturally relevant? What do you say?
1: No. I think even now in 2023, the directing style and editing is, uh, feels slow. And I don't care about the content, frankly. I can't imagine people caring about this it's movie.
0: As a positive. Yeah. This is my soapbox I get on every time. At least I can see what's happening in those night shots. <laughs> sometimes a real big problem for modern films and it frustrates me that's fair
1: i was watching a youtube video about king and cinematography and they brought up the batman and how it does such a great job and i was like you can't see anything even in your example
0: i saw that in theater and there's a whole scene like i I guess something's happening the
1: youtube video is talking about how that's intentional i'm like i don't care Uh i would like to see what batman's face looks like
0: Um, anyways, I will disagree with you on the holds up part because okay. I think this is a really fun movie to watch. Oh, fun, I such cannot a weird, really weird. argue culturally relevant because no. I don't think it's even relevant in 2018 when yeah, it came out. So, mm-hmm. That being said, we have seen movies in the past that by miracle or through some fate do become more popular like 10, 20 years after this will they not came be out. One of those movies, no. I don't think so either. I don't no. think this is going to be one of those ones who like breaks through. But I'm uh,
1: sure it's already largely forgotten.
2: Much like everyone on this podcast.
0: We do need to rate this film, but before we do, that's what Dave and I thought. What do you think? You can send any feedback to Kyle and Dave at vs. The Machine at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter or Instagram with the handle KDVSTM. We also release videos on our YouTube channel occasionally, and if you yeah. want to see the entire list of films we've watched and the ratings we've given, you can go to our letterboxed page. That's letterbox.com slash KDVSTM. And if you want to support us monetarily so that we can continue doing this podcast and not usher in the next apocalypse, you can go to our Patreon page. There is a link in the show notes of this episode. You can support for as low as a dollar per month, and something that you can do for absolutely free is to leave a rating and review on whatever app you use for podcasts. So, let's get to the rating of this movie. Dave, out of five, what are you going to give Can You Ever Forgive Me?
1: I think I'm going to give it a three. I was thinking about going go longer. I'll give it a three. I have a, mm-hmm. uh, just a quick question, Kyle. If the two leads hadn't been nominated for an Oscar, would people even know that this movie existed?
0: Uh, That's That's a good question. Probably not. I don't think so. I think I
1: I would like to see the dates of some of these critical reviews. I suspect it was after Oscar season because like, I know I'm being a little bit sour grapes now, but I'm just questioning the validity of its cultural impact.
0: Fair fair enough. But again, whether a movie is culturally impactful or not is not tied up necessarily on if it's a good movie or not. Fine. That being said, I love this movie. I know you're making fun of me for my rating, but I'm going to 4.5. I love this movie. I, Four, I have so much 4.5 fun.
1: 4.5 is like fucking high.
0: It is very high. I do I do agree with that, but I really love this movie.
1: I would like your score sheet. What are comparable films we've watched this year?
0: Uh, for me, it would be If Beale Street Could Talk in Roma. This is technically in my top 10. If you go to my letterbox, you'll see it's in my top 10. Oh,
1: you rated it. Of course, it's going to show up in a 10. That's not a statistical of any statistical mm-hmm. importance the question is between those two films you would put this in the same room with roma and if beale street could talk
0: yeah those two films are better and they would be roommates out, but yes.
1: in your condominium of
0: films is that right <laughs> what a wacky sitcom you developed here dave Incredible. All right. Anyways, that's going to average to 3.75. It'll be rated down to 3.5. I should 5.
1: just have 2.5. We'll wait at the score a little bit.
0: Uh, <laughs> that is going to tie with A Star is Born. So, do you think you would put this above or below A Star is Born?
1: I would put it below. I, yeah. Uh,
0: okay. I, again, I always err on the uh, cultural relevance piece when we start to do our rankings here. So, I think that's fair. I think A Star is Born is going to be more culturally relevant than this movie I really sorry
1: to question your 4.5. 4? 4. 4x5 is getting into the I need to own this film level.
0: Uh, yeah, I bought it. <laughs> Did you? No, I didn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was about to turn off my, I was about to turn everything off. Just quit. <laughs> Rage uh, quit right. a podcast.
0: This might be uh, higher than you would rather it be, but uh, whatever. It's going to enter our list at the new number six position Holy right below shit. a star is born, right above Black Klansmen.
1: We better be watching better films soon.
0: Well, let's find out, Dave. I'm going to push this button. Well, I don't think so, but I've never seen this movie before, so I I shouldn't say that yet. Oh, okay. Uh, We're going to watch Ralph Breaks the Internet. Did
1: you watch the first one?
0: Yes, I've seen the first one. What
1: was your opinion of the first one? It's It's fine. fine. I mean, it's old. It's fine. fine. Okay.
0: But this one is supposed to be worse than the first one.
1: No comment, but yes. (laughs) It does have a good moment in the middle. I think we'll have an interesting talk about how it does get fun for a bit.
0: But Does he go into a chat room? Is that the joke?
1: Uh, not a chat room. I will say now that my kid is like big into that, he had a great time watching this last night. All right, let's All move right. on. Save it for the actual episode. Uh,
0: but so what is one of the, what are, what? Are, what, what, uh, what? Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> just, yeah, I just had I'm a meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> error, error, error. 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 <laughs> Uh, what do those letters say, Dave? What's uh, what do the letters say?
1: Well, let's open this one up. Do you have a letter? Op- yes. Yeah. Of course you do. It says, uh, "Dear Kyle and Dave versus the machine." What a bunch of snobby dweebs! Jesus Christ!
0: <laughs> puke emoji. I just like that they decided to write out the puke emoji. <laughs> I think that's really talented.
1: Oh, well, it's in cursive too.
2: Every AI generated image is so hot.